Welcome to Sea of Fire Ministries Podcast with Pastor James Myers. And now, we dive into the book of Acts. Alright, so let's go ahead and start, uh, like I said, at uh, verse 12. Uh, remember, last week we looked at the ascension of Christ, uh, um, which is vital for the introduction of, of this book. So I don't want us to forget that. We're going to basically right after his ascension. Uh, and, and we must see that that is the prelude, that is the introductory, introduction to the rest of the book. It sets up the rest of the book. Remember, Christ, Christ is now glorified. He's, gonna, he's sending the promise of his Father. And so here's the Trinit, Trinitarian work. God the Father sends the Son. His Son sends the Spirit. And the Spirit, essentially, is sending the church. But that's, that's the Trinitarian work uh, and influence leading through this book. Um, all right, so let's go. We'll just read all of chapter 1, and then we'll break it down in little pieces. All right, so uh, verse 12. Everybody ready? All right. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up to, into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120 and said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem, so, so, and so that field is called, in their own language, a keldamah, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his re resurrection. And they proposed two, Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed uh, Justice, and, uh, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship for which, uh, from which Judas uh, by tra transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. All right. The uh, Sabbath day journey, going back to verse 12, uh, you know, how they ventured. Uh, Sabbath day journey it is 2,000 cubits, which come, turns into about three quarters of a mile. On a Sabbath, you were only permitted to go that far outside of the city, uh, outside of a walled city. So even a town, any of that, you're, on the Sabbath, you were only permitted to go three quarters of a mile outside of that and so and so that's about how long uh, it took to get back to Jerusalem and now we have a record of remember there are only 11 apostles right now so verse 13 names them all they're all in the upper room uh, and then the women who were mentioned remember in the chapter 24 specifically remember the end of Luke is or the gospel of Luke and particularly the end of Luke is the this is kind of the the sequel 
the book of Acts is kind of the sequel to Luke. So Luke leads in to, uh, to this. So we want to remember everything that we looked at the week before last going into this. Um, these, are all, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with women uh, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. His brothers actually didn't believe in him during his earthly ministry. Uh, it must have been after he was raised from the dead that they, they actually believed. You'll see in different uh, situations in your own study um, that uh, they did not believe, and, but they obviously came to faith following his resurrection. Uh, but look at how, you know, so in verse 14, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Remember, Jesus told them to go into Jerusalem and tarry and wait for the Spirit to come, which he, you know, was promised by the Father, and that's, that's what he was, that's what part of his uh, ascension uh, was meant to fulfill. You know, he wasn't going to send his spirit until he was ascended. Remember, uh, I must go away. It's, it's to your benefit that I go away. Um, and, but immediately following the ascension, look at, look at how obedient they already are. And look how uh, pious, pious they are and, 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 and reverential. It's just, I think, beautiful. Uh, in, chapter, in verse 15, we have uh, about a relative number of at least the disciples who were there. Uh, and it says it's about 120, and we're going to see that number grows pretty quickly. Uh, but right now it's just 120. And uh, Peter stands up, says, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled. Remember also, after Christ was raised, uh, after his resurrection, he's, he's teaching them and, and pointing to the Old Testament and, and showing them that how he is the fulfillment. Remember the uh, two on the road to, the, to Emmaus? And, he, and they don't know it's him yet, but he's, you know, showing them throughout all the uh, scriptures that it, they're all speaking of him. Remember that? Um, anyway, so Peter's already starting this. Uh, we don't see this until here. Uh, but first, look, so the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David, which is in Psalm, I think I have it, uh, Psalm 41, 9, uh, David says, even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. That's talking about Judas. Um, uh, uh, before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, there it was, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. That's, that, that's interesting, too. Remember I told you that uh, Jesus had sent out the apostles two by two, to preach his name, to witness of him, and they were able to pour, perform miracles. They were able to cast out demons, including Judas. Judas was one of them. And many people came to faith by the preaching of Judas. Many demons were cast out by Judas. <laughs> many uh, diseases were healed by Judas. I mean, obviously, it's, it's Christ in Judas, but many people came to faith by the preaching of Judas. Uh, so... We need to be on guard uh, about not only ourselves, but others, wolves in sheep clothing, uh, which he was. But, but even the son of perdition, that he, he later names him as the son of perdition, was also prophesied about and was part of God's plan. Jesus always knew he was going to betray him, which is also interesting. When he called him to be an apostle, to be his ambassador, he also knows this and look again these people got so close to jesus it wasn't it wasn't just something that it, you know this is, oh i'd really enjoy his preaching no they 
dwelt with him. They lived with him. They ate with him. They, and same thing with Judas. They were all close to Judas. Judas, and, and, and you'll see when Christ uh, sends him to go ahead and do what he was going to do, you know, for, for, uh, to get Jesus arrested and everything, nobody thinks it's Judas. They're all looking at the spells. Is it I, Lord? Is it I? Nobody thinks it's Judas. Even when he's sent away, everybody's assuming, oh, well, Christ must have sent him out to, you know, to get some supplies or whatever, because he controlled the money purse. He controlled the, the, the money. Uh, and John says, in fact, that he would help himself to that from time to time. So he would steal from the treasury of the ministry. Uh, so everybody, every, everything that people are giving uh, for the ministry of Christ and for his sustenance and for his provision, uh, Judas is helping himself to. Uh, but again, nobody knows that at this point, or before this point, anyway. Uh, now, this man purchased a field with the wages. Well, Judas really didn't. We'd have to look at uh, the account of uh, Matthew uh, 27, uh, verses 3 through 10, and I'll let you do that on your own. Uh, but essentially, remember, Judas uh, um, betrayed Christ for 30 shekels of silver, and then uh, he changed his mind. <laughs> and went into and, and to, to give it back and to try to, to try to undo everything. He noticed what he had done, and so he goes in there. He's like, and, and the chief priests are like, no, nah, you know, it's too late, man. Uh, you know, now it's blood money, basically, because you would betray. And so he chunks it in there, and he takes off, and he goes and hangs himself. Um, and so the, the Pharisees, uh, the priests at that time, who, again, they couldn't keep uh, the blood money in the treasury, so they bought... A potter's field which also is prophesied about um, uh, and, and it became no, known that and so any anybody who was kind of unclaimed kind of a thing uh, or anybody who would die in such a way would be buried there uh, but they would call it, they called it the field of blood because when he hanged himself apparently all of his intestines he fell and all of his intestines came gushing out really gross but that's what happened so they called it the field of blood um, for it is written in the book of Psalms uh, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it. That is Psalm 69, 25. Uh, and then, and let another take his office. The, the Greek word for uh, office is episkopos. Uh, it depends on the, t the usage of it. But uh, an episkopos is really an elder of the church. But, but, in, but in Greek categories, uh, that would be in the military, uh, well, in the Roman military, uh, uh, situation. An episcopos was really somebody who would go to battlefields and make sure that the men were ready. And if they weren't ready, that's not good. <laughs> you know, there, there's going to there's gonna be some serious repercussions. If they were, then they were uh, favored and, and taken care of. Um, but uh, so let another take his office. And so that was prophesied about as well by David and Saul. Um, and we'll notice in verse 21, uh, therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. So it's got to be. So the, these two men, uh, Barsabbas, who's surnamed uh, Justice, and Matthias, uh, must have, whoever they're going to choose must have been that, there the whole time. While Jesus went in and out. So his earthly ministry, uh, beginning from the baptism of John. So before, you know, so he, they've even got to be there from John. Uh, to that day when he was taken up. So they also had to have witnessed the resurrection, and they would have had to have witnessed the ascension. Um, and so they proposed two. These were the two. Uh, and they prayed, 
you Lord, who know the hearts of all, show. And then what they do is they cast lots. We don't really know what lots are. Uh, I don't recommend doing this, but actually even throughout the Old Testament, uh, this is done to determine um, dip, you know, certain situations, certain problems to make a decision. You see it uh, with, uh, uh, in the book of Jonah when you know, they're all, you know, the storm is raging. They cast lots to see whose fault it is, basically. Who's, who's, who's God judging? And the lot falls on, on, uh, on uh, Jonah. And that's how that, but, and we see it uh, several times. So God did uh, in, uh, attend to this and, and acquiesce to this. Uh, but this is, this is them uh, choosing another apostle. We don't hear of him. Uh, after this at all, again, the, the, the book of Acts is, is a synopsis. It doesn't give us an exhaustive or even mu any information regarding many of the apostles. We really read mostly about Peter. Uh, we read about Philip, who many think aren't, isn't even the apostle Philip. Uh, and we read about Paul, who becomes an apostle to the Gentiles. All right, let's jump into chapter 2. And I'm just going to read it all, and then we'll, we'll uh, um, break it down. Well, yeah, and that's what we're going to do. All right. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of, uh, and the parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, They are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet of Joel, or by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in these in the last days says God that I will pour out uh, of my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord and it shall come to pass that whoever call, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. 
Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he was both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. I think that's funny. Therefore, being a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not, was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which, we, uh, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having uh, received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord sat, said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus, whom you, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his words were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls, there's 3,000, jumped pretty quickly, uh, were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were, were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them uh, among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with glad gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. All right, let's go back up to verse 1. So the day of Pentecost happened, the, the prefix penti means 50. So it was 50 days after the Passover. Remember, uh, after Christ was raised, he was with his disciples for 40 days. So this is probably about a week after his ascension, relatively speaking. And they were all one in, in one place. Uh, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as uh, of a mighty rushing wind. It doesn't say that it was an actual wind, but it was a mighty rushing uh, uh, wind. And it filled the whole house. Now, we, we, can't, we can't let anything slip by. He, he gives details for a purpose. There wasn't a centimeter of, of square centimeter in the house that was not touched. It filled the entire house. And remember, the Spirit, uh, another, uh, uh, when, you, when, when you use that, the Greek word pneuma, it can mean wind, it can mean spirit, it can mean breath. And so... The Spirit comes as a mighty rushing wind, or a sound uh, of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house. Then there appeared to them divided tongues. It, it's really, it looked, it, it's, it's, it, it's distributed tongues. So it's really uh, tongue, flaming tongues that distribute uh, over everybody. Uh, and one sat upon each of them. Remember, there are 120, okay? Uh, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. That's other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's pause here for a second. Remember, do you all remember the Tower of Babel, which I call the Tower of Confusion? Remember, it was chapter 11 of Genesis. We did look at it, uh, but it was uh, shortly after God had uh, commanded to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That was in chapter 9. But, uh, but remember, it was the scattering of the nations. Remember that? 
Anyway, uh, the Tower of Babel is when uh, people wanted to build themselves a city. They wanted to settle there. They didn't want to uh, spread anymore. And they wanted to build a, temp uh, a tower that reached up to God. They wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to build a tower that reached up into the heavens. Uh, and what God did was confused all their languages. So they couldn't, do, they couldn't finish uh, either the tower or the city. And ultimately, they were dispersed. They were scattered abroad because God's will will be done. But this is a reversal of that. So on the one hand, where he, he confused the language to cut down and to, to stop the evil of men, and which happens all the time. Every, uh, every political or geopolitical revolution uh, that seeks a name for themselves, to seek, that seeks to build themselves a kingdom, uh, to, to uh, ascend beyond the heavens and to be above God kind of thing is thrown down, is torn down, is always torn down. Uh, and that's what he was doing there. But this is a reversal. Now he's given the ability to speak in other languages to witness of him. Remember, Christ said to tarry in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of my Father, which I will send. And after that, you know, testify of me. And, and here, here, here they're given the gift because everybody came, all the Jews came from different places, which is what we see in the, in the next uh, paragraph. But people came from all over the place, Jews, devout Jews, uh, and they all speak all these different languages. So in the providence of God, he's given them the ability, these unlearned men, it's not like you know, they went and studied the, the language real quickly and learned it up because they, when they uh, even say, uh, let's just get into it. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Okay. Uh, and when this sound occurred, so remember the sound of the mighty rushing wind, uh, the multitude came together. They're coming. Check it out. What is, what is that? <laughs> it was incredible. Uh, and they were confused because they heard, they, saw, they heard all these men speaking in their own languages. And, the, and look, are not all these who speak Galileans? Now, I'm not going to get into how absurd that would have been. Galileans were simpletons. They, you know, they could hardly speak themselves. Like, you know, if you, I don't want to degrade fishermen, <laughs> but especially in those days, you know, you got to think of like uh, men at the taverns, uh, men, uh, you know, men who were just kind of roughing it up and just kind of goofy, you know, the guys that kind of horse around at bars or all this kind of a thing. Just, you know, they're not learning different languages. They're not really trying to learn anything. They're just hanging out and having fun. Uh, but so, uh, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? I mean, that's incredible. How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? That word language is actually dialect. So it wasn't just that they were speaking their language. They were speaking it well. <laughs> they were speaking it coherently, like just like these guys, just like a native-born uh, Parthian. Uh, so he starts uh, laying out uh, all the different uh, Jews who were there, Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, which is a huge area, uh, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Asia is huge, uh, Fergie and Pamphylia, Egypt is huge, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Rome is huge, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, by the way, Arabs who now we customly see as Muslims, we hear them speaking in, their, uh, in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. That's what they're saying. They're not speaking this other language and telling everybody what they had for breakfast that morning. They're speaking of the wonderful works of God. 
That's what they're testifying to. That's what. That's all their speed. That's the ability. Remember, Christ said to Terry, "Until the Spirit comes, the Spirit has come and witness of me." That's what they're doing. Uh, uh, and so, uh, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, "Whatever could this mean?" I mean, right? That'd be, <laughs> that'd be different. Others mocking said they're full of new wine. Peter, standing up with the eleven. Set the scene. Look at the scene, okay? So Peter's standing up, but he's standing up with the 11. Uh, remember, now there are 12, and, and those men are with him. He's, they're all together. And Peter is the spokesman, but all of the apostles are together. At the beginning, the first sermon, the first testimony of Christ, all of his ambassadors are there. Uh, and so it raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. The third hour of the day was 9 o'clock. The first hour of the day was 6 o'clock, and it works like, uh, that way. Um, and, but also, other, so if you go back to verse 9, uh, I'm sorry, verse 13, it says, Others mocking said they are full of uh, new wine. But Peter says, Let them, uh, for these are not drunk, as you suppose. I think he's using a bit of humor here, but he's also, you know, not retaliating in kind you know these people are mocking and he's he's giving them kind of a gentle rebuke as you suppose you know i'm not going to suggest that you're mocking but as you suppose these men aren't drunk as you suppose for it is only the third hour of the day now i know in our day that wouldn't be all surprising to see somebody drunk at nine o'clock in the morning as an american you know but these are devout jews that would be unheard of and, abs and absurd uh but this was what was spoken by the prophet of joel so pay attention because this what he's laying out here, this is the testimony to the Jews. Okay, this is this is the the preaching to the Jews. This is uh, the testifying to the Jews. Remember, I told you. And as it goes along, remember Christ said, "Terry in Jerusalem, start in Jerusalem, witness to me in Jerusalem, and then to all Judea." Remember, concentric circles, circle of fire spreading out, and then to all Samaria. By the way, Samaria was a country. Samaria in the Old Testament was the capital of of Israel. I never mentioned that, uh, so I wanted to mention that. Uh, but um, so work your way outward and then to the ends of the earth. Um, and so that's what this is. But he's testifying to Jews. So he's using the Old Testament, which, I mean, is obviously an, uh, a, a deliberate way to get to the Jew. All, all these are devout men. All these people know their Bible uh, back in the day. A lot of people didn't have copies of Bibles. That would be crazy expensive. So you would memorize it. You know, these people would study diligently and memorize pretty much the whole thing. I mean, it's incredible. At a very young age. Uh, in fact, when you were 12, you were considered to be an adult. And that's why Christ is at the temple at the age of 12. And he like already knows everything. You know, uh, they're, they're perplexed. But by then you ought to at least have known and memorized most of your Hebrew scripture. Um, but anyway, so he goes, and, and, and what he's doing, though, he's explaining to them what they're witnessing. They're wondering, you know, uh, what can this mean? You know, whatever can this mean? And, and he's saying, hey, look, you all know this is what Joel said, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. These are the last days. Remember, Christ came in the fullness of time. The last day isn't just that final day. The last days are when Christ came in the fullness of time until he returns. We are still in the last days. 
that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, his people. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, or speak and prophesy of him. Uh, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And all my men servants and all my maid servants, even the most poor among you, the most simple among you, I'm pouring out my spirit on everybody. And you, prophets of old, would always desire a, a wider spread uh, of outpouring of his spirit. Even Moses, uh, when, when uh, uh, his uh, father-in-law suggests to him to you know, basically have a division of, of elders and you just, you know, so it would work itself out. Like, you know, if somebody has a dispute with another person, they would first go to this guy and if he can't fix it, go to the next guy. If he can't fix it, go to the next guy. If he can't fix it, go to the next guy until it works itself out to, up to Moses. And, and, and God was pleased by that. And he, he gave his spirit to all of those other men. And a bunch of people, some people started complaining. And he was like, I, would that God would pour out his spirit on all these. You know, so they desired uh, to see a greater outpouring of his spirit. And... You know, remember when Christ said, Abraham rejoiced to see my coming and was glad. Well, the prophet, all the prophets of old rejoiced to see his coming and was glad. And I guarantee you, they rejoiced to see his brides coming now as well. And that's what's going on here. Uh, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this is kind of a two-edged sword as well. All the beginning, all the blessings, all, all, all that he will give to his people uh, for his purpose, and for them though. I mean, he loves his people. Uh, but, but for his purpose, and then it goes, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Blood, vengeance, uh, violence. Fill the earth. Fire, destruction. Uh, I mean, whether it's natural disasters or whether it, it's, it's a war or that kind of a thing. Um, vapor of smoke, the, the, a mist, a blur, uh, nothing's clear uh, kind of a thing. Uh, the sun shall be turned into darkness. All who are not in the light are in darkness, right? So the source of light is utterly dark. Uh, the moon into blood, again, uh, the darkness into vengeance. So even in nighttime, in particular nighttime, the vengeance comes full blown before the uh, coming and great uh, awesome of the great and awesome day of the Lord. It shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We'll look at that more at the conclusion. Excuse me. So remember that that's what he's doing is referring to Old Testament scriptures, prophets specifically, to explain what's going on here. Men of Israel. Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. That's key. Don't, see, this is why we can't just skip over words. Uh, as you yourselves know. What he's saying is, y'all know this. You were witness. You saw this. You know, this, this isn't news. You all know this. Uh, he did it in front of you. And, you know, uh, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Again, he wasn't delivered by accident. God wasn't caught unawares. It, it was determined by him uh, and foreknowledge, so he knew well ahead of time uh, by God. You have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. 
for David says, so uh, he loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I might not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. So again, that's a prophecy of the Messiah. And, and so what, what David had said was, uh, basically, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. You won't leave him in the grave. The grave is not Christ's home. Um, men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David. I think this is hilarious. That, is he, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. I don't think that was a surprise to anybody. <laughs> uh, let me speak freely to you, and other uh, translations say, I can, uh, I can say this confidently. I think anybody could say this confidently, that David is, is dead, his tomb is still there. Nobody thought he was raised from the dead. Uh, I just think it's funny, and his tomb is with us. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, so God had promised David, that he will always have a son sitting on the throne. That he will, his throne uh, was made was to endure forever, and he will always have somebody eternally on his throne. And that's Christ. Christ is the son of David. Uh, it's one of his titles. Uh, Christ does ask, you know, if if the Messiah is uh, David's son, how can David call him Lord? And we'll get into that some other time as well. He is. A descendant of David, but he is also David's Lord. Um, so he's the one who's going to be—he's the one who sits on his throne. Um, God had sworn with a note to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, uh, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God. Uh, um, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Really going back uh, to that, uh, the other occasion which John, uh, I mean, which David uh, had prophesied, um, that's, that's to attest to his resurrection. Okay, so what he, was, what he used Joel for was to explain what was going on and the outpouring of his spirit, and that's what's going on. And now he's using, da the, the second one is him using David to attest to his resurrection, to, to the fact that, uh, that Christ was raised from the dead. Now he's going into his ascension. Uh, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. That's attesting to, again, his glorification, his, uh, his ascension. R remember, what he's doing is he's witnessing to Christ. He's witnessing of Christ to these men uh, and using the Old Testament Specifically, what these Jews knew and believed to explain the fulfillment of that. Uh, in, we'll get to that. Uh, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what should we do? These men were cut to the, to the heart. This preaching, they all, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's a good point. I see. You're right. Joel did say that. David did say that and that. And now I see all this outpouring. Uh, and, yeah, that, that makes And they're all cut to the heart, though. Uh, throughout Peter's sermon, he's, he's, he's striking them right at the heart. And, and, it, and by the end of it, they're all cut to the heart. And they're asking, what shall we do? Uh, then Peter said to them, repent. 
Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, again, I know I say this over and over again, but it's not, Jesus loves you. <laughs> Check off this card, and we'll be in touch. Come again on next Sunday. He says, repent. Repent. Turn around. Turn from evil and seek after God. Repent in contrition, in abject, abject sorrow for ever having offended God. Repent, turn away, and turn to Him. Be baptized, be washed, be cleansed in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, again, that cleansing, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Christ didn't say go looking for Him. You know, He said to tarry in Jerusalem, I will send Him, and and that's what's going on here. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the most precious gift uh, ever. Uh, for the promises to you and to your children, children in the faith. It's not uh, really uh, natural-born children. However, we will see throughout the book of Acts that when men come to faith, they even promise that their, their whole household will be saved. When men come to faith, that faith is not supposed to just rest with a man. It's, I mean... The light that God gives us isn't supposed to be tucked away. Uh, Christ says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So again, yeah, you don't just receive his light and then tuck it away, you know, to never be seen by anybody. You're the point, the purpose the purpose of his salvation is his glorification and for our glorification. But it is also for that, the, the same purpose for which he came and, in, and, and endowed his church with himself is the same purpose for which he comes to us. Yes, to cleanse and to save, but also that we may witness to Christ. We may witness of Christ, which is why we're doing that as well. This is not supposed to stay dormant in our hearts. That is, that is not the way that's supposed to work. Um, so, as many as our Lord... And, and remember, in Joel's, at the end of Joel's uh, prophecy, he says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, and Peter says, uh, in answering, what, what shall we do? Uh, at, so, for the promises to you and to your children, to all who are far off, uh, as many as the Lord our God will call... So even calling on the name of, remember, only the those who God gives ears to hear, hear his word. As many as the Lord our God will call, will call upon his name to be saved. Uh, and with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Uh, he's just continually exhorting them. Uh, which, this is a perverse generation. I, mean, I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> generations are very perverse uh, we don't even know what a woman is uh, then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them remember it started with 120 and now we've got 3,000 we'll see later it expands even faster to 5,000 uh, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers they're becoming one they're a family this is a family. We're all children of God. You know, like I've told you, yes, you're my sons, but in Christ, you're my brothers. 
You're my sisters. Yes, you're my wife. But you know, uh, we're children of God, and to be and to have fellowship with each other in that context, in His light, continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Remember that we stand on the testimony of the apostles. Okay, uh, we uh, the the foundation is laid really by the prophets and the apostles. So. The question of who is the foundation of the church, Christ is mentioned as the foundation of the church in one respect, but ultimately it really is the prophets and the apostles who are the, the, the foundation of the church, and then Christ is the chief cornerstone. The chief cornerstone which would basically be the first stone. It would be the most important stone because it would basically bear all the other stones, <laughs> but it would be the chief cornerstone, stone, and then you build a bunch of stones you know, kind of on top of that. Uh, and we are the stones uh, that he's creating a new temple, his new temple, if you want to look at it that way. I mean, it's, it's an allegory, it's metaphoric, uh, but um, that's what it is. We, we, our foundation of Christianity is uh, the law, the prophets, and the apostles. Um, then fear came, over every, came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So now Luke is going into... You know, yes, this is what happened specifically here, but uh, you know, throughout, and as, as we'll see, and as I'm, you know, as you'll later read, uh, this is what's going on. Really, fear came upon every soul, and 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 we'll see uh, with Ananias and Sapphira, who just basically fell dead. I mean, I'm sure that would cause uh, um, a bit of fear to other people. Um, now, all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods. And divided them among all uh, as anyone had need. So socialists love this passage. <laughs> socialists uh, think that, you know, and communists who think that Christ came to, you know, so that uh, to, to overthrow ownership and so that we all have this communal uh, ownership of everything. Well, first of all, this, this isn't mandated by the state. And so you're not killed if you don't do it. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira uh, deceived. They were, they were deceiving. So it wasn't, and, and we'll see that later on, uh, but, but it wasn't that so much that they didn't sell their land. They did sell, sell their land, but they kept back some of it for themselves and deceived it. And Peter's like, I mean, wasn't it yours before, you know, you wanted to lie? How did Satan, you know, how does Satan fill your heart to try to deceive God? Um, so everybody, but again, this is a family. This is a familial relationship. So everybody's willingly selling all of their possessions. We see Barnabas basically selling all of his, and he, and he, and he lays it at the apostles' feet. And that's what everybody's doing. He said, they're saying, do with it what you will. You know? uh, and everybody's just living together in harmony. So continuing daily with, with one accord in the temple, again, they're still going to the temple. Okay? They're, still, they're still Jews. They don't know what a church is. Okay? Uh, and breaking bread from house to house. Remember, the breaking of bread is essential. This is the Lord's Supper. Uh, and we'll see uh, in later contexts, especially in apologetics, uh, the, the, the Lord's Supper, one of the things the early Christians had to defend was the, the notion and the accusation that uh, Christians were cannibals. Because they heard of these people meeting together and eating the body of this guy and the, and drinking the blood of this guy, where you know, well, yes, we we're these are symbols. Though. These are these are uh, we break bread and we refer to that as the body of Christ, and we drink wine and refer to that as the blood of Christ. And so you'll see that is one of the and that that but that's the defending, right? 
we, we are defending the 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 mistakes, the the um, lack of understanding in other people. Okay, and the moment that's done, you're done. Okay, you're you're defending uh, the hope uh, that is within you. Um, they ate their food uh, with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. So, and not everybody came to believe, but even the people in Jerusalem and, and surrounding areas really came to appreciate these people. They saw their good, their good works. They saw that they were, they were genuine, that they were sincere. Uh, they wouldn't come to faith, some out of fear of the Jews, but um, for one reason or another they wouldn't. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That's what's going on here. The beginning, the beginning of the church, which again, they didn't see as the beginning of a church, but the beginning, the, the church, her infancy and the purpose of the church now is to expand, is, is to, is to in, so think about, it, uh, think about it as an expansion. So remember, we're supposed to go into, uh, uh, throughout all of the earth, to the utmost ends of the earth, to gather so we're supposed to spread out to gather in as one under the awesome supremacy of Christ. Okay? And that's why, that's why it's so important that you seek Him. You seek Him with all of your hearts, with all of your minds, with all of your souls, so that you don't live an unexamined life, so you don't live a worthless life, but in so doing, you develop a witness. That's why I wanted to introduce the, I call that the central study. That's the central study, this is the wing study. So, uh, um, the reason when I was trying to explain to you the little bit of uh, the background about myself in regards to all of that is because that so helped solidify my faith that I've come to a point where Christianity is not rationalism, You'll see. You'll you'll hear people talk about um, you know Christians coming to faith through a blind faith. There's nothing blind about this faith. Christ doesn't doesn't call us to take a leap into the darkness. No, we're supposed to take a leap out of the darkness into His light. There's nothing irrational about Christianity. Christianity itself is the most rational uh, theories, if you want to put it that way, that there that exists, and we'll see that. But these, I have noticed through my studies, these must be, like I was saying in there, for anything to be, there must be a perfect being. But that perfect being, if God is love, and, there is, and, and God was just in utter isolation, there's, you know, just God, you know, as one person, uh, uh, who is he loving? If God is love, who is he loving? That's why, it's, that's why the Trinity is necessary. And we'll look at that uh, in more detail because God is one, but he's three in person. He's one in essence, one in being, and three in person. Okay, and, and we'll look at that as we go along. But the Son doesn't do anything that the, Father do, that the Father hasn't commanded. He does nothing apart from the Father. Neither does the Spirit. They are all one. It's a beautiful union. And one that we don't see anywhere. We are one family, and if we lived according to the, that kind of a principle, where you know you wouldn't do anything apart from me, or, but you know I wouldn't recommend that. But all I'm saying is it's a perfect union uh, that 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 comports 
themselves to each other. Uh, they will never do anything apart from the other. Um, so, again, this is the beginning of the church's mandate. Christ has come. He fulfilled everything he was sent to do. He has sent the promise of the Father. And now he is sending his church. We are not to just learn this information for our spiritual growth. Yes, we are supposed to uh, grow more and more into his likeness, but also for his purpose. That is not an end of itself. The goal is not that, you know, just that you get to know God more. It's that you witness of him. Christ deserves the greatest harvest. He has earned it. And so we ought to seek all of his people, the, his, all of his lost. You know, he talks about uh, a shepherd who, uh, when he loses one sheep, will leave the 99 just for the one and rejoice over finding just that one. That's what we're called to. That's our purpose. It's an amazing purpose. It's an, ama it's an amazing privilege. But that faithful testimony, which sadly, the church seriously lacks right now. We're hopefully going to be seeing a big change in that. Thank you for listening to CFIRE Ministries podcast with Pastor James Myers. We hope you enjoy this message. Please subscribe and follow us. Tune in as we continue in the book of Acts.